Hi, this is Kenny, Aaron, and William. Join us as we talk about all things sex-related at the Sexology Institute in San Antonio, Texas. Hi, Kenny. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you today? I'm doing well. I'm glad that the week has ended and I can just start my weekend and relax, recover, and I guess get all charged up for the next week. I'm here with you on that one, definitely. Yeah, it's almost like Groundhog's Day, Groundhog's Week. This pandemic, I tell you, last week we did our elephant in the room conversation. And even though in the moment it was very cathartic and very therapeutic, then the whole week started all over again. And I was just like, what the hell? And that's kind of how I felt too. It was like, oh, okay, well, that was like a therapy session or something, or, you know, a way to vent, have other colleagues to vent with, reassure our listeners, I guess, where we stand, you know, that we have people's backs and we hear you. And I guess that's what it was good for. And I guess that's about all we can do. Well, anyway, today we're hoping that this will be a more fun conversation to pull us away from some of the negative stuff that's happening, the stuff we don't have control over. And we're going to talk about the pros and cons of sexting. We had brought that up, I think, about a month ago, and we just didn't get around to recording anything about sexting and texting during the pandemic. I hope that this helps people, you know, just kind of get through the mundane and enjoy a little playtime with others. I agree. I absolutely agree. Before I even get started with the pros and the cons and, you know, some different ideas and so forth, it's ideal to actually have a conversation with your partner about it if that's what you're going to do, to make sure that that's okay in your relationship to engage in sexting and texting with other people, if you're going to be doing that with other people outside of your partner. So ideally, that's what you should be doing. So I think we need to preface the whole podcast episode with really should be talking to your significant other. And this could be a form of consensual non-monogamy. Absolutely. And before we even go that far, for some of our listeners, I, I just want to give the definition of sexting because even though I think many of us know what it is, just kind of having that definition out there. So sexting is when people send or receive sexual pictures, messages, or videos through technology using examples such as cell phones, apps, emails, or webcam. The word sexting is a combination of the words sex and text. So as Aaron was saying, making sure that you're having dialogue with your partner about are we texting other people and if so is the use of sexual images messages or videos are we okay with sharing that with others yeah and we know that a lot of people aren't going to be doing this with the knowledge of the partner so we get that okay and we're just saying up front that it's ideal if you do have, if your partner knows about it, knows that you're doing it, that's what's ideal, okay? And when I'm going to be speaking, I'm gonna be speaking from the perspective of my partner and I have already talked about it, we have a long distance relationship, and so 
flirting and sexting and that kind of thing that is allowed. And so I feel very comfortable talking about what I'm talking about today. Awesome. And for me and my partner, we reside in the same household. And at this time we are monogamous. And so when I'm talking about sexting, I'm talking about those moments when we are apart and still want to let the other person know that we're thinking of them and that we are possibly in the mood for me right now. Sexting is just a way to keep connected when I'm trying to drag myself through the day. <laughs> okay. And that's awesome because we're going to get to show what that looks like from both sides. You know, what it looks like when you are in a 100% monogamous relationship and living in the same household and what that can look like if you're in a long distance relationship or a relationship that is under the umbrella of consensual non-monogamy. So the listeners will get to hear both sides of that. So one of the pros for sexting is it's physically safe. And because we're in a pandemic, that's more important than ever. So it's a natural way to have the social distancing. And it does, it's, you do have the ability to test your intimate space with somebody else without putting yourself in any kind of physical harm. So that's one of the pros. And another one is, I think that it's easier for you to have a little bit more anonymity and you can set boundaries better when you're sexting. Like you don't have to put your whole self out there like you do when you're in person. You know, you have to worry about a whole lot of stuff when you're in person. You know, what you look like, what your hair looks like, and what you're wearing, and all of that. And when it's sexting, you don't have to do that. Like there's more fantasy involved with it. And so I like that part of it. And I just get more of a rush from that, from the sexting you know, than I would if I met that person in person. I'd probably be bored if I actually met that person in person because I want some of the mystery to be there. And for me, the anonymity comes and goes because depending on what it is that I'm sexting with my partner, we sometimes use different personalities. And so we get to have anonymity in that way and so that's been fun and then even with the pandemic both of us work outside of our homes and so just being safe even though we live together being aware like hey i've had contact with a homeless person today like four of them so i'm going to sit over here in this room for the next week to ensure that i'm well and you're going to be over there in that room for the next week so that I don't get you sick. That has been kind of fun and exciting in the way that I guess if we didn't live together, if we were like dating, it could be fun and exciting because of the population that I work with. They're not always safe. They don't always have accessibility to masks or just everyday hygiene, being able to wash their hands or use hand sanitizer on a daily basis. So I want to keep myself and my family safe. So the pandemic has been a, a whooping at points, but then it's kind of also been kind of exciting in moments. Yeah. 
And I didn't even think about that. This is just a form of reframing because we're always thinking about, you know, the downers, the downside of the pandemic, you know, even with couples who, you know, you live in the same household and one of you may have a higher level of exposure to people who, who have contracted COVID or whatever, but this is a unique perspective. You know, it doesn't have to be negative. It can be you know, hey, this this just expands our horizons. This just gives us a more exciting way to connect. So I hope people walk away from this knowing that, that it doesn't have to be, you know, oh my God, this is just some other negative thing that has to impact our relationship. So far, once we kind of started it, it was funny. Me personally, I kind of found a little childish of, hey, I'm sending you this risky photograph, but I'm in the next room. And then incorporating prompts into the risky photographs, even though I'm in the next room and you can't participate, like that's been, that's been fun. Absolutely. And I think people, couples are going to be able to use all of these things when we're not in a pandemic. You know, I think we're just able now to be more creative, think outside the box, use problem solving skills. We're just being forced to do that stuff now. In previous conversations, we've talked about long distance dating and how in long distance dating in partnerships that communication really is key. So sexting, whether you're in a one-on-one relationship or it's consensual non-monogamy, communication is elevated to the 10th degree. Yes, I would agree with that. It allows you to explore your fantasies and explore your desires, whether you're in a relationship or not. It does allow you to do that. For example, in my circumstance, I'm more of a voyeur, okay? So I wouldn't really be sending a lot of pictures anyway because that's not what my personality is. I'm more of a a dominant person and a voyeur, you know? So I would be asking somebody else for pictures. And then the people that I interact with, they're exhibitionists. So it works out just fine. You know, they're always wanting to show me something. And so I'm just telling them what I want to see. Fun, fun, fun. It is. So it is a lot. When it comes to able to explore your desires and things of that nature, when you're sexting, unlike a phone call or being in person, you have time to kind of navigate what it is that you're feeling, reset, regroup before you answer or engage. Mm -hmm. And I know that people have an issue with, you know, when you're sending pictures back and forth, you know, you're using your, your cell phones, people are worried about, you know, okay, well, is somebody going to post my pictures on some porn site or put my pictures on Facebook, you know, that kind of thing. How do you go about trusting the person that you're having interactions with? That's a chance that you have to take. Now, do I always ask questions about whether people are in relationships and all of that? I do not. I don't ask those kind of questions. I just am responsible for myself and my relationship. You know, I know that I've had communication with my partner. And so I'm not doing anything wrong. If somebody else is going to engage in the behavior and that they don't have the open communication with their partner, that's really not my issue. And so I'm not going to be asking a bunch of questions. We're not in a therapy session. 
And so there will be no need for me to ask all of those questions. I hope people do it the right way because then that'll, you know, keep you off dateline. We, but we know that that's not going to always happen. And I don't want to mislead people into thinking, you know, I'm an adult. Okay. And I'm not always in some therapy session. You know, I'm an adult and I am not going to always be probing people for therapy information. You know, if I'm being an adult, just like everybody else is being an adult, I expect for people to take care of their business. I'm not going to be asking any questions about any of their, their family stuff or any of that. You know, if this is the purpose of what we're doing, you know, to have fun and walk away from it, then that's what my intentions are. I think that's really important when it comes to non-monogamous relationships. I, I think you really kind of hit the nail on its head because there are some people who believe that all parties, when you're in that relationship, all have to be in agreement. It's helpful, but yeah. I'm not, this is not a job interview. I don't care. Like, it's not a job interview. So if you haven't handled what's behind your closed doors, you're running the risk of injury, embarrassment. It's your loss, not mine. Yeah. I would just hope that people would have enough to lose to be careful. I would hope that they wouldn't want all of their business spread all over the place. And with that said, you know, there are a number of apps that people can use. You know, you really wouldn't want stuff on your cell phone because what if your cell phone gets lost? And what's funny about that is even before we started recording today, Aaron, you provided me some information that I did not have. And that was an app that is even more secure than the one that I typically use. This is not a paid endorsement or anything like that. Yeah. But a lot of times, and I don't know if everybody knows this, but when it comes to texting and sharing information, using your regular messenger can sometimes be pretty unsafe. It's not encrypted. Yeah. You don't know if anybody's taking screenshots, screen grabs, sharing anything. So I, myself, don't use my regular messenger that came with my phone. So I was using a messenger that I downloaded that is encrypted to ensure that people didn't have access to my stuff. And I do delete the pictures off of my phone because there's no reason for me to save anything to my phone. Ever, ever, yeah, ever. and I've done the same thing, you know, use encrypted apps and it probably wouldn't make that much difference on with my phone because I have a personal phone and then I have a work cell phone, phone that is specifically used, you know, for clients and work and all of that. And I wouldn't use that phone for any, any of this type of stuff. And so really whatever I'm using my personal phone for I can use my personal phone for that. You know, I can keep my pictures. I can do all of that. And it's in an iPhone. So it's hard to get stuff out of it anyway. That is a risk I am not willing to take at this time. When it comes to my stuff, the agreement is you don't get to save it. It's one-time use or please put it in your secure folder that's password protected. If it was that good and you need to like swipe back to go check it out maybe next week 
it should be in a secure folder. But the agreement that we have is nothing is saved because you never know. Yeah, I like that too, that even in a committed relationship and you have agreements on things like that, you know, how you're going to proceed with that, you know, maintaining the safety and security of your information. Well, along those same lines, we were talking about the trust. It would be important to probably have the same conversation with whoever you're talking to. You know, what kind of agreements do you have about pictures, who's going to see it and all of that. I would just hope people would just use encrypted apps and then that's not something that you're going to have a whole lot of concern about. But I still think it's worthy of having a conversation with people because I think they understand. I think people understand. They get it. In day and age of what you do as a young person showing up when you become a professional and how it can impact your ability to get professional jobs, run for office, be a boss. I think a lot of people understand the ramifications. So along those same lines of safety, we also have to consider emotional safety. When we're talking about emotional safety, if you've never actually met the person, and this is a relationship based solely on technology, it's a good idea to spell out your concerns with a potential sexting partner before you dive into sharing intimacy. Yeah, I agree with that. And if both parties understand what the intentions are, you know, when you get into it, that's important. Just like you would if you're dating. What are the intentions when you date? Is this just to have fun, to socialize? Are you looking for a long-term partner? Are you looking for more connection? know what your intentions are for that just like you would for this you know maybe there's one person that you text all the time and it's for the social part of it it's for you know intellectual connection and maybe another person that you text it might be for sexting and it's nothing else other than that and so I think you have to just know that for yourself and then if there's any gray area then you clarify it with the other person you know just say hey this this is not going down the path that I thought it was going to go. This is what my understanding was. And because it's the use of technology, you can always cut things off if things get out of hand. You know, you can block people and do all of that. And it's easier to do that when you're using technology or using any of these encrypted apps. I'm glad that you said that, Erin, because we hear about those terms of being blocked or being ghosted. And a lot of times it has a really negative connotation. But I want to reaffirm for somebody out there that if you have tried to recalibrate the nature of your texting relationship and the person still is not adhering to boundaries, block them, ghost them, because your safety is first, not just your physical safety, but your emotional safety. Why the hell would you put yourself in that situation when you have technology to keep you safe, block their ass. I agree. And I think that for some people, they think that it's being unkind or being disrespectful. And for me, like Aaron has said many a times, I don't want to end up on Dateline. Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one of my favorite lines is, yeah. <laughs> I want to end up on Dateline or 2020 or Fatal Attraction. 
So use so, good judgment and good insight so that you don't end up an episode. Absolutely. And even for me and my partner, there's certain things that have come up in our texting. And I'm like, that's a conversation we actually need to have in person. And so we're able to identify what is appropriate for our sexting communication or texting communication compared to you're not allowed to just put that in written form and think that I'll be okay with it. You're going to need to sit down with me and talk about certain things. I like that. I like that. Being able to distinguish between what's a deep conversation or a more intimate emotional conversation and then what is, you know, it's just, you know, superficial fun. So I think that is really important for couples. And so, Kenny, there were some other things that were listed, like if people really aren't into, if they decide, you know, I don't really want to do the sexting, are there other things? And there are things that are, you can still do these things as sexting activities, but you can put them under the same umbrella as what you and your partner are doing and make it really exciting sexual exchanges. And something that I had sent you yesterday that I would like for people to look up, it's called Hysterical Literature. If everybody can look up Hysterical Literature on YouTube and be sure that you watch each video clip through the end of the video clip. Okay, that's all I'm going to say is just look up hysterical literature. All right, so that's an idea. Wait, time out, Erin. You're not even going to explain to anybody no. the hysterical part of the literature? I'm not, no, because then that I just want for people to look it up, watch the video clip, and just see what happens. And they'll understand why I didn't want to say anything. Listeners, I hope you enjoy the hysterical literature. I know that I sure did. Yes. So that's an idea. Another idea would be reading your favorite stories to each other or erotica to each other. Or it could be just Reader's Digest, you know, reading little clips in Reader's Digest. I know in Reader's Digest, they have the laughter is the best medicine. I love that section. There are other sections in there that have the really funny little quips and stories and all of that. Doing stuff like that with your partner or things that will open up small talk dialogue. That's something that can lead into connection and sexual contact when you're in a relationship. Another one is setting up a sexy movie date. Having Netflix parties where you pick a film that has a racy or a steamy scene that gets you hot and bothered or there's a few that I myself have watched on Netflix. Sometimes I pause <laughs> or I rewind. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then talking about how that scene made you feel with your partner. And, you know, if you're ever in the same space with them, is, is that something that they would want to do too? Can really be a great conversation starter and take some of the pressure off when it comes to being sexy via technology. Yep. Have you seen the movie 
below her mouth? Yes. Okay. <laughs> you didn't even hesitate. And so you know which scene I'm talking about. <laughs> like 20 minutes in. The shower scene or the bathtub scene? Yes. Okay. So don't just, okay. Whoever's listening, check that movie out. It's called Below Her Mouth. And like 20 minutes in, that's the part that you, <laughs> that you want to see. It doesn't matter whether you're male or female or it doesn't make any difference whatsoever. That is just one of the hottest scenes that I've ever seen in a movie. Okay. So we just leave that at, leave it at that. You're watching something like that together. Definitely. Okay. So you can play games and we've talked about some of the games before, like the naughty truth of dare. And then there's the, the sexy six sex edition. There's 100 sex questions. There's a lot of games like that. You can do it via Zoom or FaceTime. Use technology playing those games or with a group of people. I think if you can round up a group of friends who are open-minded in which you can laugh and just have sexual conversations, because a lot of times we think about being sexual or our sexuality being a closed door kind of conversation. So we don't know what else is out there, but by incorpor incorporating friends, you can find out like, Hey, I'm not the only one, only one who likes that or who's interested in that, or that's something new. Let me read up or watch something. So if you can incorporate friends, you're looking for a good time. Yes. And here's some examples of sexually oriented questions that would uh, be present in some of the games or that you can just come up with yourself or Google some of these. And you can do these either with a partner or you can do these with a group of people like have a Zoom party and then everybody has to answer the questions. Do you prefer sex at night or in the morning? What's your favorite way to be seduced? Have you ever masturbated in a public bathroom? Do you remember what the first orgasm felt like? What's your favorite thing about a quickie? Do you ever mentally strip strangers? And then imagine in dirty detail what it would be like to fuck them. What inspires you to make the first move with somebody? In your opinion, what does it mean to be good in bed? Do you have a go-to masturbation fantasy? What kind of porn turns you on? What's the dirtiest thing someone has ever said to you during sex? Have you ever watched another couple having sex without them knowing? When was the last time you had a vivid sex dream? Have you ever propositioned a total stranger? So those are just a few questions that would be fun to ask somebody else. I just like asking those kind of questions because I want to see the person's facial expression. I'm sure there are a wide array of expressions, shock, intrigue, excitement, because they've been just waiting for somebody to ask them. <laughs> yeah, I think we've mentioned on the podcast before that we played a game like that. We went to an ice cream shop and there were several of us there and we each had to answer questions like that. And it was fun. It was a little uncomfortable at first because I'm used to asking questions. I had to like take that therapy hat off and say, okay, I'm not in control here and I don't get to ask all the questions. 
I have to actually answer questions. And so it was weird for me like that. I'm more of a dominant person and a voyeur. And so if you're, if you have that kind of personality, you don't want to show anybody anything. You just want to see everything about everybody else. So it was just weird. Yet enjoyable, I thought. Weird and enjoyable or just plain yeah. weird? A little of both. Okay. A little of both because it kind of, it definitely took me out of my comfort zone. Having people know something about me that I wouldn't ordinarily tell anybody. Yeah, it was very weird from that angle. But then it was exciting on the other angle. I heard you. That night I came home and had sex. So it was good for me. <laughs> questions yes please <laughs> see now there's that okay it can get you all revved up and you can go home and have sex with your partner there's that now this is a good opportunity for couples to pull up a yes no maybe list I usually have couples do that anyway to get them more comfortable talking about sex it can just be a fun activity to do you don't know what a yes, no, maybe list is. You can actually type in yes, no, maybe, and there, the list will pop up. And what the list does is it gives you a lot of different columns and paragraphs of things where you're testing your boundaries, you know, things that you would, are definitely okay with sexually. And there would be a, a column of things that you might want to try or that you've heard about, you have some curiosity about, and those would be your maybes. And then you have the no list. That's where you draw your line, you know, your boundary line. And what I like to have couples do is they, they fill out the document separately. And then I have them switch papers so they can have an idea of where the other person stands. Because I like to watch their spatial expressions and so forth. That's very interesting to me to realize that a couple could be together for 10 years and they don't know this stuff about the other person. They don't know partner's fetishes and fantasies and so forth are until you ask them to do an assignment like that. I don't get a chance to work with couples as often as you do, but I have found when I have assigned that homework, how much couples realize it's like that song, do you like pina coladas? You know, they're strangers. They think they're strangers, but really they're just, putting that personal ad in the paper and they're already in a relationship together. Um, mm -hmm. They didn't even realize that the person liked pina coladas and they didn't even realize they liked both getting caught in the rain and things of that nature. And so that exercise, the few times I have gotten to do it with couples, it was for me really eye opening because for the couples themselves, they were like, I didn't know you were open to that. Mm -hmm. I've done that and you never said you didn't like it. Why didn't you ever say you didn't like it? Starting those conversations. And when you're doing it virtually, that could really help you kind of get to know if you ever get to see each other in real life, what those doors could open up to. Absolutely. And Kenny, something else about the use of the yes, no, maybe list. I think everybody should just do one. Just see where you stand, see what your baseline is. And it gives you the language to use when you're going to communicate with somebody else. I like give, that. Yeah, it gives you the sex language that you need to communicate with other people. 
it's not all urban language. It gives you the proper language that you would use when you want to communicate sexually. So there was another topic, Kenny, that you had brought up. I thought it would be fun. Uh, a person I know asked me, how much money would it take you to quit your job and have an OnlyFans page? And what would you do on it? And I thought that that was just such a fun and unique question to ask. So I said, in order for me to quit my job, number one, it can't be a one-time lump sum kind of money. If mm -hmm. I'm going to quit my job, this has to be substantial. So I said between four to five times my annual salary is what I would need to be making for me to quit my job and have an OnlyFans. And then my OnlyFans would consist of feet stuff. Feet Just stuff? Feet. Yeah, feet stuff. Tell me more about that. <laughs> feet made, stuff. I'm just wondering what made you pick that? <laughs> oh, because I don't have ugly feet. Okay. I like using my feet to do things. Okay. Um, <laughs> Okay, well, I guess you can stop there. <laughs> Beat stuff. Beat stuff, okay. Yeah, like <laughs> I can open stuff with my feet. I'll stroke stuff with my feet. Yeah, I <laughs> <beat> stuff. <laughs> I mean, I have cute feet, too, and I've got a tattoo on one of them, but I can't open anything with my feet. <laughs> Makes perfect, Aaron. Practice makes perfect. Okay, interesting. I learn something new about you guys every time we meet. <laughs> so, Aaron, <laughs> how much money would it take for you to quit your job and have an OnlyFans page? And what would be your content? I guess it would have to be about what you said between three and five times what I make. It'd have to be consistent. I would want a certain number of clients and just keep my clients consistent. I don't, I wouldn't want a whole bunch of new people because I would want to be a professional dominatrix. <laughs> that would be my thing. It wouldn't be anything me being having sex with anybody. It would be more about, you know, head games and spanking, whipping, cropping, that kind of stuff. Cause I mean, there's a big market for that. And I wish that I could do something like that. But, you know, in my line of work, I know that I can't do that. But trust me, I've thought about it. I've had conversations with sex workers, you know, and learned what the pros and the cons of what they do. And it sounds very intriguing, very intriguing. And so if I did that, it would be something like under the umbrella of a professional dominatrix. One day we will both be living our dreams. I have to believe it. One day, we're in a pandemic, and we have licenses, so you can't do foot stuff, and I can't whip anybody's ass. No, not if I want to be able to pay my mortgage for a little bit longer. That's true. <laughs> I just thought it was a really quirky question to be asked, and I thought that you would get a kick out of it. Yeah, I did get a kick out of it. Now I'm thinking about that. You know those those shows um, on YouTube where they're unboxing stuff, mm -hmm. like yeah. unboxing videos and how yeah. people make tons of money off of just unboxing stuff. People can watch me get a pedicure. And that just sounds so harmless. Like why couldn't you do it? Like just have some fake name 
and you're not showing your face, you're showing your feet. So, <laughs> huh? One day, one day, one day. Yeah. So I, like I thought one. today was a great episode. <laughs> I did too. I thought this was a really good episode. We've given people some things to think about, ways to get through the ennui of being locked in your house. Absolutely. And whether you're in a monogamous relationship under the same roof, a monogamous relationship where you're distanced, or if you're in consensual non-monogamous relationships, however that looks like to you, sexting can be a fun, safe way to enjoy your day, explore new opportunities, and just have a good time. Absolutely. Well, all right, Kenny. Well, you have a good rest of the weekend. Be safe. And until next time. Until next time, Erin.